So, Stephen, I have a question. But what's interesting to me about this question is not only the question, but also somebody answered it who I thought was particularly interesting, and his answer was interesting. So maybe we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. You have two kids. I have two kids. So the question is interesting to both of us. What are good ways to prepare my kids to become billionaires? (laughs) So first off, I have a question about the question, which is before we get to the answer and before we get to what our answers might be, why are people so obsessed with their kids becoming billionaires? Like, we already know a billion dollars doesn't lead to happiness. What makes you think that a lot of people are? I mean, do you really think that's a common concern? Well, 1,500 people are following this question. I don't know. There's 100-plus answers. So this is this is one of the most popular questions on on Quora here, Quora.com. But, but it could be because it's so grotesquely over the top that people just kind of want to see the car wreck. Okay, but I am actually reading some of the answers, and they're giving guidelines how right. you can— Like, and I even have an answer. I have an answer. But it's just interesting to me, like, why not just happy people or millionaires? Right. Why does it have to be billionaires? Like, how, do you, how would you prepare your kids to well, be billionaires? Well, I guess I would prepare them— by not wanting to be billionaires. I hate to say it. That's like, yeah, th- so no, that's, that's what I'm getting answer. at. You know, I got to tell you, a few years ago, when like, um, what was the peak of the anti-rich people um, d- uh, displays? Like, um, Yeah, that was the Occupy Wall Street, I guess like Occupy 2010. Wall, right. right, and everybody was like, you know, everybody with any money is total crap and everything needs to be redistributed. During that time... I thought the tenor of that conversation was really terrible. It was punitive. It was unnuanced. It was everything. But now we're a bunch of years past that. And now we're looking at this place where there are more uh, refugees, political refugees floating around the world than I think at any point in history, even World War II, which sounds hard to believe, but I've read it a couple places. And I just think that the whole notion of you know self-starterdom for the purpose of individual fulfillment and domination just strikes me as a grotesquerie. I agree, but I also think that that's the myth of of entrepreneurship. That's like entrepreneur porn, and that you, you say that most people don't feel that way, even mo- if they most successful people don't feel that agree, way. Agree. So, so the way what I try to do, I'll do three th- three or four things with my kids. So I'm just going to directly answer the question, and then there's one answer that I think is particularly interesting. So what I do with my kids is at the end of every day before you go to sleep, always ask yourself. Who did I help today? So that's the way they get in this pattern of thinking, who did I help today? They get in this pattern of wanting to be able to answer that question. Because the only way to create a billion dollars in value for yourself is you have to create, let's say, three to five billion dollars in value for the world. And the only, you can't, you don't do that by building, it's a sort of a myth, you do that by building an app and Google buys you, like that's kind of a, a clunky, only past five years of, of doing that. But historically, you've got to build, you know, huge department stores and spread them all over the country and make prices cheaper and then you'll have a billion dollars worth of people and you'll be Sam Walton and make money. Or, or Bill Gates, you'll make Microsoft Word and it sell it to a billion people and whatever. So... If you always are thinking in terms of helping, then that's the best way to create value. Now, the other thing I do is I'll have my kids watch these shows. Like there's a show called The Prophet. You ever seen that on Mm -hmm. CNBC? So this guy, Marcus Lomanis, billionaire, he goes into a business that's struggling and he'll write them a check and invest in the company on the spot, his own real money. And then he'll do things 
to help the company. So I'll ask Mike, I'll pause throughout the show and I'll ask my kids, do you think he did a fair deal? Do you think this is a deal you would do? Is he doing the right thing? So this way, it's almost as if they're getting a master class from a billionaire on how to save a company. And they do and sometimes they get bored of me doing that, but well ultimately that's like the one business show. Imagine kids watching a CNBC show. That's the one business show that they'll that they'll watch. So I'll I'll try to teach them. But I also wanted to bring up, I thought it was very interesting when I was scrolling down the answers, I saw this answer from, and maybe you know this guy, he's an author, Ben Mesrick answered did, the yeah. question. Yeah. So he wrote the one that the movie 21 was about. I forget the name of the original book. Um, he also wrote, did he write The Social Network? No. Oh yeah, he wrote yeah. The Social Network. The, the movie was based on that, about Facebook. Uh, he wrote one recently about the oligarchs of Russia, he wrote a book called Straight Flush about kind of the poker billionaires and what happened to them when poker became illegal. So I was wondering, why would he answer this question? He has a two and a four-year-old, and he's asking himself the same thing. So he clearly establishes some importance on being a billionaire. And he says, of course, the easiest way to become a billionaire is to be born a millionaire. But if you're starting from scratch, I think there are a few important keys. First off, if you're good at math or computer programming, you have a leg up because a lot of billionaires make it in startups or in the hedge fund world, which means math, science, computers. Also, you need to know when to take risks and when to run away. Every billionaire out there risked everything, sometimes more than once. And I actually disagree with that. I was just going to say that doesn't... I, I know the few billionaires that I've talked with a bunch, I don't think that's a commonality necessarily. And I think even the billionaires that have made their appearances in... His books have not risked all. Like, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg didn't really risk all. He, you know, met people first who wanted to invest in his company. You know, yeah. I think a billionaire, the average billionaire, is among the most risk-averse people. Hey, James and I need to put our heads together on this one. We'll be right back. I am so excited because we've been doing this in this studio like this, but now we're going to do a live question of the day podcast at the Bell House in Brooklyn on January 14th at 7 p.m. You sound excited. I am very excited because you and I— I feel like your heart is racing. Maybe I want to be social. I want to meet the people who are listening to this podcast. I think they want to meet you too. So January 14th, 7 p.m. We also have a special guest who will be a moderator, Nagin Farsad, the comedian. Oh, she'll be a moderator too? Well, I think she'll moderate since we need a lot of moderation. Come to Brooklyn on, what's the day? Thursday, January 14th at 7 p.m. Don't screw it up, Stephen. TheBellHouseNY.com for tickets. Thanks. I think the biggest reason to not want to be a billionaire, which is running counter to your question, of course, is that it will inherently make you the top of the top of the top of the top of the 1% and will therefore inherently isolate you to some extent from the rest of everyone else, if even only psychically. So in other words, you'll know that the vast majority of the rest of the world looks at you maybe with envy, maybe with adoration, maybe with jealousy, uh, maybe with some kind of, you know, combination of all these things, but that you have set yourself apart in a way that I just don't know if the returns are large enough to warrant the desire. 
But I don't know if any billionaire ever thinks about that. Like nobody says, oh, you know, I only have 10 million. You know who I think does think that? I think that there is a quadrant of people, not that large, but not that small either, in what I call the money harvesting industries, right? Uh-huh. In okay. finance. Basically, if you if you do a certain kind of finance. Yeah, basically, if you want to make a lot of money, go where the money is. Yeah. So it's either so, Wall Street or Silicon right. Valley. Right. So like I have friends, like I have a friend who was a journalist and he did it very well for a pretty long time. And he was writing for the Wall Street Journal. And all these guys he was interviewing were 50, 100, 1,000 times richer than him. And he said to himself, I really don't think they're any smarter. They just chose to harvest money instead of writing about money. And so he said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it too. And he started a hedge fund. And he did very well. And he made a bunch of millions of dollars. And he ended up retiring. So that's like a choice that people make. I have seen and interacted with a lot of people in those fields. And to me personally, this is just me personally, it doesn't feel like a fun place to spend a lot of time. That's all I'm saying. And I believe that part of it is because no matter what you end up using the money for, there's something about making money as a living that I think doesn't tap into and reward all the things that are a lot of fun about life, including being part of the mainstream. I do like to make money but I do it now with the same approach. I don't do anything I don't advise my kids to do. I don't try, uh, if I'm going to tell them, who did you help today? Uh, ask that right, right. at the end of every day. That's what I ask at the end of every day. Yeah. So I always try to, because my parents push me to make money. So I have to program myself. And I do that with the same question I ask my kids to ask, which is at the end of every day, who did I help today? And hopefully with this particular podcast, Hopefully we helped a few people. Well, I think that's the end of all of our podcasts forever. Oh, wait, wait, you're saying there's another one? Okay, well, right after this, we'll hear about it. Do you love our show? Do you love Amazon? Well, we have a way that you can support our show and the network that brings us to you, Earwolf.com, while also enjoying your usual Amazon shopping. The next time you want to shop at Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. Take the insider route instead. Go to earwolf.com slash Amazon. That'll take you to the same Amazon you know and love with all the great Amazon.com prices you know and love. But you'll also help us out by helping us support our show. You don't have to pay an extra dime, but question of the day gets credit from Amazon and it really adds up and helps us keep the engineers happy and the microphones turned on. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Question of the Day. Please join us for the next one. Here's what we have lined up. What piece of advice would you give to someone looking to become a freelance writer journalist in the same spheres in which you work, meaning like Freakonomics, Question of the Day, kind of nonfiction? Sure. And number two, what advice would you give for someone starting a new podcast? <laughs>